Have you ever tried to injure yourself on purpose? You're not alone. In this episode, I'll help you cope with the urge to self-harm. Welcome back to Savvy Psychologist. I'm your host, Dr. Monica Johnson. Every week on this show, I'll help you face life's challenges with evidence-based approaches, a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. Have you ever wanted to bang your head on a wall and actually done it? Or secretly tried to cut away the pain of your existence? You're not alone. Acts like this are considered non-suicidal self-injury. Non-suicidal self-injury, or NSSI, is intentional, self-inflicted, low-lethality, bodily harm of a socially unacceptable nature, performed to reduce and or communicate psychological distress. You might be thinking, what the heck is socially acceptable self-injury? As an example, some cultures engage in practices like scarification, which is considered to be socially acceptable. It's also important to note that self-harm and suicidal behaviors are different. In suicide, the intent is to permanently end life and escape pain. In NSSI, the intent is typically relief from an unpleasant feeling, like anger, emptiness, or shame. NSSI is typically low lethality, meaning that you would be unlikely to die from the injury. For example, shallow cuts on an inner thigh. However, there have been individuals who have hurt themselves more severely than intended. NSSI is most common among adolescents and young adults, usually starting around age 13 or 14. Lifetime rates in these populations are about 15 to 20%. In both adolescents and adults, rates of NSSI are highest among those with a history of mental health disorders, such as depression, anxiety, problems with emotional dysregulation, and distressing negative emotionality, particularly those with self-directed negative emotions and self-criticism. A common myth is that women engage in this behavior more than men. The research shows that the rates of NSSI are actually equal. What appears to be different between men and women is the method used. Women are more likely to engage in cutting, while men are more likely to engage in hitting or burning. NSSI is more common among LGBTQIA plus folks, and white people are more likely than BIPOC to self-injure. Why and how do people self-injure? Let's get deeper into the intention behind NSSI. In contrast to suicidal behavior, The intent of the self-injuring person is not to terminate consciousness, but to modify it. The overwhelming majority of self-injuring individuals report that they self-harm themselves in order to relieve painful feelings like anger, shame, guilt, frustration, contempt, anxiety, tension, and panic. A smaller proportion of self-injurers report feeling too little emotion. They may state that they feel empty, like a zombie, dead inside, or like a robot. These individuals self-injure to provide relief for this absence of feeling. 
The key point regarding intent is that a suicidal person wants to end their experience. A self-injuring person wants to modify their experience to reduce distress in order to live another day. Some of the most common methods of NSSI include cutting, scratching, carving, skin picking, self-hitting, head-banging, self-burning, self-inflicted tattoos, interfering with wound healing, and hair pulling. In my practice, I've seen all of these behaviors, and it's important to note that depending on the individual, they may engage in these behaviors several times a year, a month, or week. While a person who struggles with suicide may only attempt once, I have worked with teenagers and adults who are engaging in self-injury multiple times per week. Now let's talk about how to cope with NSSI. While I will give some basic strategies for how to cope with NSSI, I can't stress enough that if you or someone you know struggles with this, it's imperative that you seek treatment. Now, we all know how much I love acronyms. Here are a couple from Lisa Ferenc, a social worker who specializes in this issue. The first step in coping with self-harm is to identify your triggers. A trigger is any event, situation, or memory that elicits the urge to self-injure. To identify these triggers, you can use the acronym REACTS which stands for, R is for relationships. Who are you with? What interactions did you have with the people around? E, which is for emotions. What emotions were you feeling as you move towards planning or actually performing a self-harming behavior? A is for awareness of your five senses. What did you smell, hear, taste, or touch when you got the urge to self-harm? C is for context. Where were you? What was going on around you? T is for thoughts. What thoughts were present before you took action? S is for sensations in the body. What did you notice in the body before acting on the urge to self-harm? Having this information can help you cope with triggers that lead to these harmful behaviors. For instance, if you notice that you always want to self-harm after talking to your friend Sally, you might want to contemplate different ways of interacting with her or if she should be your friend to begin with. If you realize that you always feel hot in your body before you self-harm, you might want to use strategies to cool down. This might include taking a cold shower or sitting in front of a fan for a period of time. As in all situations, information is power, and understanding the precipitating factors of your self-harm will arm you against this behavior in the future. Once you have this information, you have to set an intention that when you feel the impulse to engage in self-injurious behavior, that you will use a healthy coping strategy in its place. For this, we can use the CARESS acronym. 
CA is for communicate alternatively. Hurting the body is a way to communicate feelings, needs, thoughts, and unresolved trauma. You need to identify other non-injurious ways to communicate. These can include draw or paint the body part that you want to hurt, draw the emotions that accompany the urge to engage in self-harm, make a collage of words or images that capture your thoughts and feelings, write a poem about your feelings, draw an outline of your body and write words on various body parts, write about what was happening when you felt the urge to self-harm, or Choose lyrics to a song that capture your mood. RE stands for Release Endorphins. People feel better after they self-harm because the brain releases endorphins, which are naturally occurring opiates in the body. And we do this in response to pain or body trauma. You need other ways to experience the release of endorphins. So here's some ideas. Run up or down a flight of stairs, do a hundred jumping jacks, go for a run, follow your favorite fitness YouTuber through a workout, put on music and dance, listen to your favorite comedian, watch a funny movie or TV show, read a funny book, hold or pet a stuffed animal or pet, or hug a pillow. SS stands for self-soothe. You'll need to learn new strategies that promote self-care and decrease anxiety from future triggering events. Here's some examples. Wrap yourself in a weighted blanket, take a warm shower or bubble bath, light scented candles or oil, play soothing music, read positive affirmations, massage your hands with soothing lotion. Slowly savor a warm cup of tea, sit with a friend, lie in the grass and watch the clouds, or listen to guided imagery or meditation on an app on your phone. With each of these strategies, Lisa recommends doing at least one behavior from each category for 15 minutes. I would further encourage that once you identify healthy methods to express yourself, that you make sure you have any tools needed. For instance, if you choose to color, it's not helpful if you don't have crayons and coloring books available to you. You want to make the use of these strategies convenient and make self-injury inconvenient. For example, if you typically engage in cutting, you might want to remove all of the razors from your home. But make sure your favorite body pillow is nearby so you can use that as a healthy strategy. If you have any go-to feel-good songs or recommend any teas for self-soothing, let me know in the comments on Instagram at KindMindPsych via my email at psychologist at quickanddirtytips.com or leave a voicemail at 929-256-2191. I'll be sure to add this to my list of recommendations. The Savvy Psychologist is a quick and dirty tips podcast. It's audio engineered by Steve Rickyberg with script editing by Adam Cecil. Our operations and editorial manager is Michelle Margulis. Our assistant manager is Emily Miller. And our marketing and publicity assistant is Davina Tomlin. Follow Savvy Psychologist on Apple Podcasts, 
Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for this episode of Savvy Psychologist. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.